Well, good morning. It's good to have uh, all of you here that are joining us uh, live and online. And as uh, Miles was saying, we're, uh, we're in this series and we're looking at some of these different aspects of Christ and then just like, how does that impact us? And uh, this morning, I want to look at something about Christ. It just, it was kind of his way of being, but it was his way of being in particular when it came to like how he prayed. And when you look uh, kind of at the New Testament, there are multiple places where he kind of just breaks norms about uh, prayer. And I think oftentimes when we think about prayer, uh, for many of us, it, it, it's not like the exciting subject. Like, you're just like, I was so glad Glenn was going to talk about prayer this morning, right? And you may love prayer, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, but what I want to look at is, I want us to maybe just see a little bit into how Jesus saw this and just see how that, maybe that uh, steers something different within us as we think about prayer and, and how we do it in a practical way. Let me, let me give you just like one example of this. Um, and you don't even have to turn there if you don't want to, but uh, over in uh, uh, Mark chapter one, there's this story uh, that mentions uh, Jesus praying. And there's lots of examples like this, but it says this in verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Um, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And it's just like, what, what do you think you're doing out here, Jesus? We got like things to do, you know? And, and you know, in this culture, most often they would have thought of prayer as something that would have been uh, connected uh, with the synagogue in a very particular way. And Jesus just like wandering off to go pray in the morning, right? And you see examples of this um, where he breaks these norms. Even uh, like there's one example where he's looking up and his eyes are open. We're like, you know, you're really supposed to bow your head and close your eyes when you pray, right? And Jesus is, ah. but for Jesus, there was something different about how he saw uh, prayer that, that I want us to get a hold of this morning uh, because in so many ways, uh, prayer becomes uh, something that we can begin to see maybe in a more narrow fashion or how we engage it in a more narrow uh, way at times. Uh, for instance, oftentimes uh, prayer, prayer becomes that thing you turn to when you feel like you're at the end of your rope or, or something's going down and you're starting to feel a little nervous about it. And then, then it's like, I think I'll pray right now. Uh, years ago, uh, flying into LAX and we were getting close, uh, close enough that, you know, the pilot comes on and says, you know, uh, we're, we're going to start getting ready for our landing and the uh, flight attendants are going to come by and, and get stuff. And as we we're on that approach, but it's, we're not at the final part where everyone has to be buckled up or whatever. And suddenly the floor just drops out from underneath us. Have you ever been on a plane and it just loses sudden altitude? Yeah. Love those moments, right? Yeah. And I mean, this was, this, we lost altitude so fast, the stuff on my tray table in front of me, well, I didn't have to put my tray table up. It put itself up in that moment. And the drink or whatever I had uh, on it, like was up in front of my face. And the flight attendant next to me was up by the ceiling. And um, I'll say this now, my favorite part of it, at the moment, it wasn't my favorite. I had no favorite moment uh, when this was going on. A guy several rows in front of me was attempting to put his bag in the overhead compartment before we um, uh, landed. And he goes floating up in the air, you know, with his eyes like this. And he like just reactively stuffs his bag in there and almost gets the thing closed as just as, as like we caught air again. And everything just goes down and the 
the door flipped open and he's on the ground, the bag comes out and then we dropped again. And he goes floating up in the air and catches his bag on the way up, throws it in the compartment, almost gets the door closed as we, you know, come crashing down again. And I'm watching this guy and I'm just like, you know, I've got the death grip on my arm, you know, rest, you know, like this. And a third time he goes floating up in the air and this time he got it, you know, he got that thing slammed right away. And then we went back down and, you know, and that, I tell that story and it felt like it lasted, you know, for an hour, right? It probably only, it was probably a matter of just seconds, but in those seconds, there was a lot of prayer going on in that plane. Let me tell you, you know, it was, you know, just, and I mean, it was like, you know, because, because when you're at the end of your rope, right? It just, prayer's kind of natural, right? Um, uh, there have been research on this. Uh, y- you find yourself in that kind of situation, you don't even have to believe in God and you'll start praying, right? It's like, it just, it happens, right? Um, because somehow we think of prayer as that way. And it's not a bad thing. Like, it's a good thing to pray when you're at the end of your rope. But you know, when you look at Jesus's life, it's like there, there was so much more to how he saw prayer. It was a way of being. It was a way of, of life for him. There was something very authentic about his prayer life where he was present with God in some way. And that's what I want to look at this morning because I think there is a way of prayer um, that is less about thinking of prayer is the thing we ought to do or the work we should do, or like, you know, I haven't been praying enough lately. And, and I wonder, I wonder if when I catch myself, like, and, and you know, don't raise your hands on this, but ever find yourself saying that? Like, oh, I should really pray about that. I should, like, it's the, and, and when we say that, right, we're, we feel like it's, it's the thing I ought to do. But like, when's the last time you were just like, you know, I, you know, I ought to have some dessert. It's been a while since I've had dessert. And I just, you know, I feel like, I'd want to do that, right? What, what if, see, I don't think Jesus is like, oh man, it's so early and I'm tired, but oh, I ought to get out there and pray. I mean, after all, I'm the Messiah and everything, right? Yeah. I bet, I bet it was like natural. I bet he was drawn to it. I bet there was a part of it that made sense to him. Wouldn't you love to just experience prayer in that way? See, I think there, there's something here for us to key in on with this. And what I love is there's this uh, moment in the Gospel of Matthew. And if you want to turn to Matthew, this is going to be the, the passage we're going to look at this morning, um, where Jesus actually teaches some on prayer. And I think he teaches us something about how he sees and understands prayer and how we can engage it that becomes really useful here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this passage. It's found in Matthew chapter six. Um, and if you're not familiar where the book of Matthew is, it is the first book in the New Testament. First book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter six. And I'm gonna start in verse five here. It says this. Um, and again, he's teaching on prayer. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, 
They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask. Now, lot there, lot there. Um, But real quickly, let me say this, what Jesus is not doing here, and this is where it's really important to understand when we're reading the Bible, especially teachings of Christ, is to think about his aim, his teaching aim, right? Any of you who are teachers, you understand that like before you teach a lesson, there's a teaching aim that you're after in this. And understanding that teaching aim is really important. And what his aim is not here is technique. So sometimes um, we'll read a passage like this. And if you think his aim is technique, then it's like, okay, so no more praying around other people. Did we just pray in church? Like, was that okay? Would Jesus go, why did you do that? Well, no, I don't think so. I think Jesus was delighted that we prayed in church. I think Jesus is delighted when you pray grace or with your family or in front of other people. That, that's not, because it's not talking about technique here, right? And he's not, you know, and I know some of you were all excited there when you got to the end and it's like, keep on going and going because you're just like, man, dad says grace and he just drones on and on and on. Now I got a verse for dad, right? You know, wrap it up, dad, right? Okay, sorry. It's not about technique, okay? His aim is something else. It is a way of being in your prayer. So here's what I wanna do. Here, here for the the rest of my message, I wanna look at two things he points out in this that it's not, a way of being that prayer is not. And then I wanna look at just a basic insight uh, into into what he teaches here about what it is that's, that's real important to catch. And then I want to just uh, finish up our time with, with kind of two uh, practical applications for how to engage uh, what Jesus is talking about in this. So that, that's, that's the structure I'm going to work through this morning. So let's start with the two things about uh, a way of prayer that Jesus is saying, this is not what I'm asking you all to do. This is not what I want you to think about uh, this with. So he uses these two examples. He talks about hypocrites and pagans in this, okay? And so understand what he's doing here. When he talks about the hypocrites, he's, he's talking more about like that religious uh, approach to this, that um, prayer is a mark of your spiritual level somehow if you pray in this really good way, okay? And what he's saying is that's not what prayer is about. Prayer is is not about finding that, that, you know, that goal of you, you pray with a perfect monotone voice, right? Have you ever, ever noticed that sometimes when we go to pray, and I'll be real honest, sometimes I like, I'll, I'll do this. It's like habit or something, or I just, it just kind of creeps in. It's just like, well, Lord, you know, you get that baritone kind of voice going, and you know, and just, cause that's so much more spiritual, right? Yeah. See, I, it, what he's saying is, you know, the tone of your voice, that, that's, that's not what it is, right? It, it's, there's something more to this. It's not how you're perceived by other people around you uh, in this. 
uh, is interesting. There was a researcher who did some uh, work with, with different groups. It was a sociologist, did all this stuff, and looked at, um, and didn't start off with this, but noticed that there were certain things that were happening in prayer groups with uh, Christian students. He looked at all of these uh, college students that were in like different uh, Christian groups or whatever, and noticed that there was this sound that they made only when they were praying, that they'd go through and they'd do a Bible study and share time. They would do all this interaction stuff. And then when they went to pray, they would make this sound. This. And it was like, oh Lord, we're just so happy to be here. And we just pray. And God, will you help out Mary? And, and, you, and just, and, and, and I was reading this and I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, oh my gosh, I do this. I do this thing. I'll do this. I'll be praying. God, oh yeah, God. And, and what he realized is there was this thing that we do when we want it to sound like really sincere. Just finish up with a little, and it's like, whoa, that's a sincere prayer, right? Because that gives it away, right? Now, if you do that when you pray, you're still a good person, right? You're not evil for doing that. And right, it's just like, it's fine to do. It's just, that's not what makes prayer, prayer. That's not like finding that, that way of doing, like, and what Jesus is saying is like, don't put your focus there. Like, don't, it, it's, it's not about using real spiritual verbiage or that sort of thing. That, that, that's, that's not what it's about, right? The goal of prayer is not to get good at it. That's not the goal. It's not to be polished or impressive with your prayer. Prayer, prayer is, is this kind of connection with God. It is a way of being that we see with Christ, whether he's on a mountainside or whether he's a, with a group of people or a small group of people, whether it's a time of crisis or whether it's a time of great joy. Like the, the, he, was, he found this way of being present with God in this amazing way. Now, second thing that Jesus points out that it's not, that, that, when, that it's not a part of how he prays or being present in prayer. Um, and it's with uh, what he describes as the pagans. Look at verse uh, seven, it says this. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words, right? And so this holds the idea that, um, I have to get God's attention somehow. Like there's something I care about and I bet God doesn't care about it. So I've got, I'm gonna keep on going. I'm gonna bug him, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do whatever I need to do to get God's attention about this issue. I'm gonna talk him in to caring about this thing that I care about. Or, or uh, similar to this, it's this idea that God needs to be appeased. It's this thing like, okay, yeah, yeah, I know you're wanting me to do that, but let's just... Prove it to me. Right? Let's just see how much you really want me to help you on this. I, you know, let's see how serious you are with this. And there's this thing of like, okay, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get God appeased with this thing, and I'm gonna go on and on and on and on. And and it's seeing God as someone that that I've got to like make a deal with, or I've got to prove something uh, to Him in this. And you know, maybe the way 
we would experience this more is we, when we find ourselves in a situation, and have, and have you ever done this? Have you ever promised God something so that he would do something for you or like make a deal with him or something? Um, I remember growing up and hearing all, you know, all of these stories, you know, about like, you know, there was some person and, you know, he was on a ship that was going down and he was going to die. And he prayed, you know, God, I promise, I promise, 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 promise. If you save me, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. I'll, I'll go live someplace I don't want to live and become a missionary to, you know, someplace. I'll, I'll be willing to be miserable if you'll just save me right now. And it's like God going, really miserable? Because I'd love it if you'd just be miserable your whole life. That, that would, I'll help you out if you'd be willing to be miserable your whole life. And we get this weird thing that somehow if I, if I make this promise for something I don't like, then, you know, then we've got a deal. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give you something I don't like, you know, for something I do like. Well, you know, you save my life and then I'll go be miserable for the rest of that life you saved or something like this, right? Um, uh, but we do it on smaller scales too, right? Have you ever tried to make a deal with God? Just say, okay, God, if you just get me out of this situation, God, if you just help me financially right now, I promise, 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 you know, I'll be nicer to, you know, so-and-so or I'll, you know, I'll do this. And it's, and it's this way of seeing prayer is like deal-making with God, right? Negotiating something or appeasing him in some way. Um, but prayer, friends, is not about crafting a deal with God. It's not about trying to impress God. It's not trying to show God what you really care about. In fact, he goes on it, it, right after this and says, uh, Jesus says, you, you know, God actually already knows what you care about already knows what your needs are. Like, like we don't pray in order to get God to see. God doesn't go, whoa, I missed that. Really? Right? Right? We, like he already knows. That's not what prayer is about. Right? The goal of prayer is not to impress or craft a deal with God um, that will help us in some way. And so he gives us these two examples and he says, you know, I, I know we get drawn to these things, but I want you to think about prayer in a different way. And so kind of sandwiched between these two things in this passage is where Jesus unpacks something that I really want us to notice. Because I think if we get this, prayer becomes a, a it, it goes from being a task or something we do to a way of being. I mean, you'll still say, I'm gonna go pray. I mean, it's still something we do, but we do it in a way of being, a way that becomes natural, a, a way that you're just, you don't have to work at it to do it uh, in the same way as before. So uh, something to notice. And then, and then I'm gonna finish out our time with a couple of practical ways to maybe help us uh, engage this. So look back at verse six. Look back at verse six. This is where he unpacks this. He says this, but when you pray, go to your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, again, I wanna remind you, this is not technique. This is not like, okay, I have to go to an enclosed space, right? There's something about the vortex of an enclosed space that it amplifies a prayer that God hears it better or something. No, it's just, this is, He's unpacking a, something spiritual to understand in all of this. Um, and a little background. In Jesus's day, in any home, right, 
high likelihood that there would be no interior doors, or if there were, sometimes, most often, uh, there would be like maybe one interior door that would be for like a storage room or a closet. Not a closet like we think of where, you know, you put racks of clothes and shoes or something, but it, it would have been like a storage room where, they, where you would have kept supplies or tools or or extra things and it, where you wanted to have it uh, closed off. Maybe something in bad weather that you could uh, put like prized animals or something in, in there, a few of them in there to keep them safe or something like this. And so no one had their own bedroom either, right? So when he says, go to your room, he's breaking a norm here. What he's not saying, like when we say, go to your room, right? It's like, it's not that. He's saying, you're gonna have to find a space and like make it your space. Like there's like to go into that closet where you'd close the door to be by yourself. Um, no one would say that's my closet. What he's saying is you get to make that your space in there. He's talking about something for us in this. And this really gets amplified in, um, uh, in, the, in the verbiage he uses with this and to think about this space. And, and by the way, when you think about the different spaces in your house, to kind of get at this, let me ask this question. What's your favorite room in the house? Think about that for a second. What's your favorite room in the house? You know, and this is something that's been studied, oddly enough. In fact, back in 2008, there was a huge study that was done. And you know what the number one favorite room in the house was for Americans? Take a wild guess. What was it? What? The bath. <laughs> For dads, that was true. But as a population as a whole, it was the kitchen. It was the kitchen in 2000. Very good guess. Yes. You know your husband well, I bet, right? Angie, Angie would say that about me, right? <laughs> the kids. So this is not in my notes. Okay, but. Kids are always like, mom, where's dad? Well, it's either the garage or the bathroom, you know? You can, right, it's just like, and man, so often she was right, <laughs> right? Okay, I diverge. Let's get back to the sermon on this. <laughs> um, where was I? Oh yeah, favorite room, favorite room, the kitchen, the kitchen, because it was like the place that people would congregate and, you know, and, and have a great time. Um, uh, this survey was repeated, this study was repeated in uh, 2019, and there was a change. And the change is it went from the, the number one room uh, got edged out, uh, the kitchen got edged out by the living room. The living room became the number one favorite room for us Americans as a whole. I think flat screen TVs maybe had something to do uh, with that, maybe. Uh, but uh, what people talked about was it was the gathering place where people would come together and, and have like, uh, you know, to be together. Um, but they repeated this uh, to a, a smaller degree. And in just the last six months, right? In the midst of this pandemic, they wanted to know how, how did this change in the pandemic? And it changed and changed drastically here in America. In fact, um, the living room dropped by 20%. And the thing that beat it out, anyone have a get, and not bathroom, but what, what do you think uh, beat it out? The bedroom. The bedroom uh, beat it out. Uh, although, uh, moms of young children, um, uh, uh, it was the bathroom for them. They, 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 they yeah, I know, they edged it out. 
And now we have a whole marital crisis going on in America because the men, you know, dads had the bathroom and now, you know, and now their wives are, you know, it's, but settle this, right? Wives, you get the tub, husbands get the toilet and it's all figured out, right? You just go with that, right? Um, but here, here's the reason. Here's the reason why. Uh, there were a couple of dominant statements uh, that came out in this. One of them was, let me find it here. Um, one of them uh, that came out again and again with the study was uh, they picked the bedroom because it was a place to de-stress because trying to navigate this pandemic and it's just, I need a place to de-stress. Like, like, like it just, I'm feeling all of this stress. The other one that I uh, liked, the, the most common one out of this study was this phrase, something akin to this phrase. Whatever hides me from my family. <laughs> That's where I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the bedroom because I want to hide from my family. Yeah. Yeah, and we laugh because we feel the truth of it, right? It's just like, yeah. And, and what this is getting at here and, and why I bring this up is because we feel this need for a refuge. We feel this need for a safe place, right? Some place where, and it's more than just de-stressing. It's just like, I need, to, I need a place where I can just be me, a place where I'm not on, where I'm not having to be like, figure it all out, where, I can, where, where I'm safe in this. So what's really interesting to me is when Jesus says, you need to have a space, right? You need your room. And, he, and, and everyone would have picked this up because while it is very common for us to talk about our room, like in our culture, that we, no one talked about their room in this culture because that didn't exist in homes. All rooms in homes got shared in multiple ways by multiple people. Um, and so when he says your room, he's saying, you, you've, you've got to go make a space, your space. But he's connecting this to prayer and even more so, uh, he says this with a very particular sentence structure. There's a phrase uh, that he uses. And in the, in the Greek, it's a uh, sude uh, hotan, sude hotan. And it just, it literally means, um, but when you, um, but when you. And here's why this is important. This little phrase, in particular with the sude, was it evoked great empathy. It would be, if you wanted to translate the meaning of how this phrase was used in their culture to our culture, uh, you, you could say this, oh, right? Just that sound like, oh, like, like if you're sharing something with someone and they just make the utterance of just like, oh, we, right? That's a moment you just feel like they're being empathetic with me. They're trying to understand where I am in this. When Jesus says, but when you, that's empathy, right? What, what Matthew's conveying is this is not, oh, Jesus going, okay, here's how I want you to pray. You better go get in your room, right? You need to get, you need to get away and have that quiet time. It's not what this is. What Jesus is recognizing is there is a way of being present with God that, oh my gosh, your spirit, your soul needs. You need, you need a space where you feel safe with God. 
You need a space where you're not on. You need a space to be present with God where you're praying and your prayers aren't like, okay, I need to do this right, right? The, you know, it's, gosh, they asked me to pray and it's in front of a big group and like, right? And we all get that and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with praying in front of a group of people and feeling like you're on a little bit, like, okay, I want this to be a good prayer. Like, that's, that's fine. But you know what you need? You need a place where, where that's not the pressure that's on. You know what? You need a safe place where you're not trying to convince God to care about what you care about. You need a place where it is your refuge where you are with your God in a way that you know he cares about what you care about. See, that's what Jesus is getting at. Jesus is saying, you need to be present with God in a way that you carry this awareness that you are not alone, that there is a God that is with you, that empathizes with you. You need to spend time in that space. See, doesn't that feel different. Like all of a sudden, when you understand, gosh, my soul has a need. Your soul has a need. What does that kind of prayer look like to be with God in that way? That is what Jesus is encouraging us with. That's why Jesus could get up early in the morning. And it's why there's places where Jesus goes out and prays all night, right? Not because it's just like, okay, I'm going to be super spiritual tonight. I'm going to just pray and pray and pray. Man, they're going to call me a spiritual giant because I just prayed and prayed and prayed. No, I think Jesus was just like, I need this. And I need to be in this space maybe all night, right? It's such a different way of thinking of prayer. So can, let, me, let me just spend the rest of my time and just talk about some practical ways to engage this kind of, of prayer. Um, uh, two things. First one is this. When you pray, when you pray, pray authentically, right? Be real. Don't have a, you know, it's one thing when you're praying in front of a whole group of people, you know, you may filter your words. You may, you you know, you may think and be real careful about it. And that's fine. But do you have a space where you're praying and you're not worried about filtering your words in that moment? Because you're not, like, you're just, like, God knows what's in your heart already, right? You don't need to filter your words in that moment. But what you do need is to be real with him. Be real with him. Um, Maybe it would help to change your posture a little bit. Sometimes we get into a posture, right? And okay, and I'm gonna talk about technique here, but not technique for the sake of technique. I'm gonna talk about technique for the sake of maybe breaking a norm and experiencing prayer in a different way. So often we think about prayer as, you know, I sit down, it needs to be early in the morning, I'm gonna bow my head and close my eyes. Wonderful. But if that is the way you have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed all of the time, there may be some normative things that you just automatically step into that. Try a different posture. Try a different way. You know, uh, for me, I have found that one of the ways I most connect to God in prayer, one of the ways I most find his presence, right, is when I am out walking, hiking, or running. Over the last 20 years, some of the most powerful, meaningful times of prayer I've had are on runs, 
of all things, right? And you just think, and I don't know why. I, I, I can't explain to you why. There's probably some reason, right? But I just know, I, like, I, that's how I've experienced it. There have been moments on hikes that have just been incredible moments of prayer. Like, I missed a trail and just kept on going. And, you know, just, but it's because I got so engrossed in it. And, it. and I wasn't trying to pray right. It's just, it's where I naturally went. So maybe change your posture, change Break it up in, in some way. Maybe if you've never written out a prayer, write, try writing out a prayer. Try having your eyes open. Do something different with it. And you see lots of different postures with Jesus in, his, in how he prays. And see what uh, that does for you. Um, uh, maybe use questions. If you're struggling with the authentic part of this, because you sit down and it's like, okay, what am I going to pray for? Like, and, and you go through a list. And for some of you, that works beautifully. The authenticity just flows. But if you're struggling with that authenticity piece, here, here's something I have found. Having questions that I ask myself in an introspective way and simply invite God to be with me as I think about this question has been really powerful for me, right? We have lost the, the art of the psalmist. When you read through the Psalms, the psalmist, there is this outpouring of prayer that come from these profound questions that they're living with. Ask a profound question in your life and stuff will begin to flow very authentically. But here, here, let me just give you a few questions. I wrote down a few questions here. One question is, what am I hanging on to? Sit down with God and say, God, is there something I'm hanging on to? Is there something I cling to and I, I don't even realize it? I just, you know, like, am I putting my security in something and I don't even realize it and, 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 and it's dominating my thoughts and it's just like, God, what, what, am I hanging on to something? Do you want me to hang on to it? Do I need to learn to let go of it? Do I like God? What, like, I, it, but just start with the awareness of it. The, the art of introspection, and that's what these questions do, is so important for spiritual maturity. And yet in our modern world, it, it is one of those things that is lost on the modern Christian. We, we, we've lost how important introspection is. And you see this in uh, spiritual men and women going back centuries and centuries and centuries. It just comes out. There's a part of the spiritual life that needs introspection. If you wanna put a lid on your spiritual growth, just don't, just shut down any introspection in your life. So let prayer be a way of introspecting your own life, those questions that matter. So let me give you a few other questions. I only gave you one and I wrote down several and I'm rambling. A few others here. Um, what are my spiritual gifts? Or what is the gift you have given me that you want me to give away that's in the form of a talent or a gift or insight, right? And think about that. Or this one, very different kind of uh, question. What do I catastrophize? You know, God, is there something? And, and when I get, you know, poked with this, I catastrophize it. I, I go off and I just, and all of a sudden I turn it into this whole other thing. God, is there something I'm catastrophizing? Or um, God, here's a great question. What energizes me? What brings out my passion? What, what causes me to feel inspired? What gives me focus? What, what energizes me uh, to put my, my life toward in something? 
See, you ask those questions and, and you're going to be like, there's lots of things. You start praying about what energizes you. You won't be like, okay, I've been praying for five minutes and I'm out. Oh my gosh, I'm so bored. What else do I pray about? And I know I'm supposed to be praying for more than five minutes. And I'm just like, you start introspecting about what you catastrophize or what energizes you or what you hang on to. And time will fly by, but you'll start finding this presence with God. And what you're really doing is you're being, you're being your truest self with God. And it opens you up into this different way of being. It becomes your safe place to be you, right? Okay, second thing, second thing here. And it's simply this. Um, when you pray, pray to be with, right? Just be with God. Just be cognizant of just being with him. Um, share with him what matters to you. In the next chapter, in chapter seven of Matthew, uh, God, uh, Jesus uh, teaches on this thing about how a good thing is to share about what matters to us because God cares about what matters to us. Few things will kill your prayer life faster than praying about what you don't care about, right? If you don't care about it, but you feel like you ought to pray about it, it's just prayer is going to get really old really fast. But begin praying about what matters to you. You might be shocked at where you find energy and where you find a connection uh, with God in this. Um, and, and with that honesty, share with God, like share about your day even. Where did you feel uncertainty? Where did you feel fears? What made you laugh that day? What brought you joy? What brought you tears that day? Like find a safe place right, to process your day with God. Just those things that mattered to you out of that day or that you're thinking about in the day to come. And last thing, um, being with is two way. It's not just you talking to God. There's something about listening being aware of God putting something on your heart, right? And this starts, uh, maybe the, the question you can ask with this is, uh, so God, what, is there something about something I believe, think, feel, something about my attitude or approach that, that I need to grow in a little bit? Like, the, like, like what area of spiritual maturity are you wanting to operate in my life? And you know, here's, here's what I find in my life. I'm gonna just close with this slide. I, here's what I find in my life. Theoretically, I ask that question. I'm like, oh yeah, there's tons of areas I need to grow in. I'm sure there's things with my attitude, my beliefs, my behaviors. I'm sure there's a ton of things I need to grow in. Theoretically, who wouldn't raise their hand right now and say, yep, I, I need to grow. But on a practical level, right, it's easy for me to just quietly go, eh, right? I, I don't think this to myself, but the way I live as if I don't need to change any of my beliefs. I don't need to change any of my, my attitudes are great. My belief, I'm correct about all my beliefs. My behaviors are just, I mean, every once in a while there might be a bit, but uh, generally, yeah, I'm just, I'm doing real good here, right? There's a difference between the practical side and the theoretical side. And maybe prayer can be a space where when we know we're safe to be present, we can be open to say, God, if there's something you wanna put on my heart, 
about my attitudes, my beliefs, something you want to shift or change. Help me see it. Help me understand it. Work in my heart that, that maybe that, I, that, that, that my desire for that change will start coming. Help me to see it. Make it a listening and speaking kind of thing. Make it something you can do when you're walking along, driving, do like whatever it is. Make it a way of being, because that's what Jesus made it. Because in the end, friends, the goal of prayer is to experience the presence of God as the safest place to be you. And may you experience that. Why don't you uh, stand and I'm going to close this out in prayer, okay, uh, here this, this morning. Let me, let me pray. Father, uh, we're grateful for the example that you've given Christ. And what I ask for is that for all of us, that we would be able to see that example and begin to see you as just one of the safest places to be ourselves, to hear your voice, and to know that you hear our voice. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Have a great Sunday. See you next week.